Greetings and salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode number 43. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Josh, Josh Hammond. I am indeed present. Fantastic. Welcome to our weekly podcast of pop culture, news, politics, or whatever else we feel like talking about. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. You can also catch us weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitled joshcast. If you would like to support the show, you can subscribe to us on Twitch using your Amazon Prime account or via a regular subscription or on Patreon at patreon.com slash untitled joshcast. Now, back to the show. We are also joined today by our two extraordinary producers, Isabella and Lucy. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. There was like an awkward silence. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's I happening. Like, I was like, no, guys, this we is both, where you say hi. No, because we both saw each other unmute at the same time. We were like, who's going who's gonna to speak first? And so thanks what? came out of my mouth first. Well, so yeah, I, my hesitation was less that Lucy unmuted it and more that I didn't know if it was a hi or a thanks situation. <laughs> at least we covered both bases, but Either. it was one of those things where you don't know what to respond with. Honestly, but, it's when the, when the gate attendant says, have a nice flight, and you say, you too, you just you smile too, yeah. and... <laughs> move on exactly it it's like happy birthday oh you too yep um what we're doing today is all about fun hot take way too uninformed predictions and i thought we could start with hot take way too uninformed predictions about the super bowl which is this afternoon josh is making a face already which means i have i'm already on the right track i would like them both to lose okay that's fine except they can't not gonna happen (laughs) i don't think that's a thing my hot, my hot take for the Super Bowl is Bucks 20, Chiefs 17 in overtime. That's fine. Okay. I I don't know. I hate them both so much. <laughs> I would like the Bucks to win because it would be cool from a sports standpoint for him to take his talent to this team that didn't even make the playoffs last year and kind of erase the whole question of whether Belichick was the genius or Brady was the genius. Oh, sure. Sure. Because it kind of proves that, you know, Brady was the brains of the operation there. Um, but I honestly, I hate them both very much. So if, if somehow, we could have th- a third team come I in. I think what you're asking for is for Batman to happen. We're in the middle of the game. Bane comes in and destroys the stadium. Like I think what you're asking for is for both teams to somehow disqualify themselves. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you never know. It's 2021, which is just 2020 part two. So True. we'll see. Um, what was I just going to say? Oh, so the Tom Brady thing is interesting because for you and I, he's like one of the last few professional athletes that's older than us. Like there is a this was a thing just that I barely ver- like noticed as a sports fan. Like there is a there is a point at which you stop being young. 
Whereas the old, the athletes stop being older than you and start being younger than you. And it's like a sharp left turn. Tom Brady's like one of the last few that remains that's older than you and I. There are pro baseball players. That could be your children. Do, yes. I do not have 19 in their birthday. Yeah. It's true. Um, okay. Back to what we're doing today. Uh, early uninformed hot takes about the 2021 Golden Globe Award nominations, which came out a couple days ago. Um, before we do that, as a second before we do that, I want to take a moment to uh, honor Christopher Plummer, who died a few days ago, just like a outstanding, legendary actor of stage and screen, was in um, Knives Out from 2019. Is that when that came out? Uh, has the best, he has the best gift of all time. I think we can all agree that the sound of music when he's tearing up the Nazi flag is like the best GIF of all time. Everything else is second. Everything else comes in second after that. I'm going to I'm going to give you that because tearing up the Nazi flag, but I really, really like I touched with the fish. OK, that's like a close second. How about this? Human based gifts. He's number one. Cat based Deal. gifts. The fish. Perfect. Great. Uh, Christopher Plummer, just a legendary actor, will certainly be missed. Um, I will continue to watch Knives Out and cherish that movie and his performance, as well as so many others that he's been in over the years. Okay, now Uh, it's time. Before we start, I have a question. Yes. I have a question. Throwing TV out of this because it doesn't count. How many of these things have you seen? Well, okay, so let's get into that overall. Um, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that question by talking for five minutes. So I know you're shocked. Okay, uh, that seems that seems on brand. Yeah. So this year is particularly strange for movies and for movies less on TV shows, which I think is the point you were making less uh, a stranger movies because so many of these movies, well, some of them actually haven't even come out yet looking at you, Sia. And some of them are just like were available for like two days in theaters uh, but a lot of them can be found streaming somewhere, whether it's on Netflix or Hulu or on the, uh, a premium cable thing like HBO or what have you. And so while a lot of a lot of years at this time of year, it's like this mad rush to watch all the movies that are nominated this year, I think there is an opportunity like there's more there is just more uh, availability for that. Like the options are much more are much greater Um That being said, how many have I watched? Not many, which I think is what's interesting about what we're about to do is that the awards are in three weeks. I think it's three weeks from today. Two weeks from today. Somebody confirm that for me. I believe it's three. It's the the 20 something. Well, three weeks from today, February 28th is the day before my birthday. So just throwing that out there. Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. It is. It's It's February 28th. So. I already have a list of things that we're about to talk about that I want to watch in the next three weeks. Um, The changing of our predictions will not be allowed. So what we have here is 17. How many is that? Wait, there's 14 movie categories and 11 TV categories. So 25, we're going to make 25 picks of which none can be changed in the next 21 days. Uh, I will be interested to see of the movies I am able to watch, because there's definitely a few I'm watching, if I have any changes of heart. Uh, I made these picks, and I think all of us made these picks based on 
our best judgments as fans of popular culture and of movies and TV and of what we like. Um, these picks are also what we think we will, what we think will win, not what we want to win, which is an important distinction, which we'll come back to later, because there are many things that I want to win, which I know have no chance of winning. Looking at you, Andy Samberg. So does that answer your question in a very roundabout way? It, I mean, yes, it does. I would have just said three. I've seen See, that's, three. That's the difference between you and I. But um, I do understand where you're coming from. I've seen clearly because it's what we do. I've seen the Aaron Sorkin film. We watched it the night that it it hit Netflix. Um, I watched The Prom and I've seen Hamilton. Yeah, I think of the movies that we're about to talk about, I think I have seen three. But I have many, many more on my to watch list. Um, Okay, I just counted. I'm at four. Wow. Amazing. We're doing great, guys. I'm out. I refuse to participate because Lucy has an advantage. The fourth one was the Disney movie. It was Onward. Are we surprised? No, that was my fourth one. All right, fine. I'll participate. Okay. Uh, I think we are ready yeah, to be I clearly can't contribute here, but I just want credit for all 40 episodes of the crown that I watched, See? which was 40 <laughs> hours worth of That's watching. totally thing, to your though, credit. I will actually. So I started watching the crown yesterday. I had tried watching it a couple months ago and I just like my focus wasn't there. And so I didn't watch it. I started watching it yesterday and I made it about five episodes in. And I actually made some of my predictions on this for the crown based off of what I've already seen, because I just know that like the acting of it has been so good. So I, I will give you props there. It did. Is that in reference to Vanessa Kirby? Is that what you're saying? Hey, um, no spoilers all of here. the other crown we're gonna nominations. We're going to get to that. Get to it. I have a big rant I'd like to go on now, but I'm going to save it. So let's let's oh, get no. started. It's like the ticking time bomb of Josh rants over here. It's a positive rant. Is I it about know. the crown? Yeah, it's about the crown. Okay. okay, well, we'll save that for the TV section. Um, I think that means we should start in the movie section to really like let this rant about the crown sit for a bit. Um, okay, so we're going to start at the top. Best picture drama. Uh, what we're going to do is I will read the category and the nominees and then we'll go through our picks. Um, Josh, you'll start. And then uh, for each category, we'll kind of we'll we'll, we'll rotate who will start their picks. Cool. Uh Best Picture Drama, The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, The Trial of the Chicago 7. You're up first. Um, this one was really hard because I have a crush on Aaron Sorkin, but I picked Nomadland. I also picked Nomadland. I was really, uh, this was a movie that I've only seen the trailer and I only watched it today, um, but I was really struck by it. I'm really looking forward to watching it. I felt very similarly, and so I also voted for that. I actually did not feel the same way, which is why I voted for the father. That was my. That's like my. Well, that's like my, my second choice. Um, yeah, same. I thought it I, seemed really compelling as a yeah. trailer, but I just like couldn't get away from the just like yeah. I don't know idea behind Nomadland. I think too. What I did for a couple of these was, if I was on the fence between two different ones, I went to Rotten Tomatoes to get a, a feel of what the audience and what the critic score was. Oh, okay, that's to interesting. See if if there was a preference, and see like if that 
if that swayed me. Um, no, uh, the father had uh, a higher rating on Rotten Tomatoes than Nomadland did, but I liked. Um, I forgot what the main actress's name is. That's in that. Um, uh, Frances McDormand. Yes, the the movie that she did a couple years ago that was also nominated for a bunch of it, the three billboards. Yeah, movie. the three billboards in Billings, I, Missouri. Yeah, I from from the trailer alone, I preferred the way that that was, and it seemed more intriguing to me than this one did. Um, but I am interested now in watching this one. I Very interesting. Watched the trailer for Nomadland last, and up until the point that I saw that trailer, I. The father was my pick. It was it it had me. I was I was really intrigued by it. Um but there's just there's like an emotional attachment, I guess, to Nomad Land that really drew me in. I think that it's one of those films that's gonna make you fucking cry through the entire thing. It also I'm not really sure how to articulate this, but it just seemed like the content of the father was less like related to all of our experience in quarantine as nomad land and the sense of like home and connection and all of those types of things that has been brought up so much more in the time of COVID-19. So I think that that is what drew me to my pick over the father who like, I love Olivia Coleman and there was so many reasons why I'm excited to watch that, but didn't pick it. I mean, the part of that is true. And also I, one of my grandfathers passed away from Alzheimer's. And so like watching something like a a clip, like the father or anything that is related to that tends to strike me a little bit more. So that I think also played into it. I don't think either pick is a bad pick. I think it could go either way. Absolutely. And it seemed from what I could tell that those two were the ones that, um, people were leaning towards the most. Sure. Next category, best picture, musical or comedy. We have Borat, subsequent movie film, Hamilton, Music, Palm Springs, and The Prom. Uh, I will start, and by start, I mean speak for all of us, because we all chose Hamilton as this one. Um, I am a little salty that, for whatever reason, Hamilton is not eligible for the Oscars. Uh, I don't really remember why, I just know that it's not. Um, This was also a category of definitely of think versus want. I think Hamilton will win. I want... Palm Springs to win. I adore that movie. Uh, It's not going to happen, but like it's in my heart. It's what I want to happen, but I know it's not. Does anyone else, did anyone else have any like tough second choices for this one? I don't think I had a second choice, really. I I don't, I just don't think that voting against Hamilton is a good decision. Um, This category in general was a huge disappointment for me. Um. I was really disappointed with what they did with the prom in general. Mm. Um, it just, it was such a good concept. It was a, such a amazing thing that they did on actual Broadway. And I don't like the way that they cast the Netflix version. Um, and then without getting on a giant soapbox, like the whole Sia backlash to music is just, it's disgusting really. And so I was really disappointed to even see it nominated at all. I was pretty, it was pretty surprising again, given that it's not out yet. It seems like there was a lot of confusion what it was there are, for a couple of things that were nominated, but including music. Like I think it was a shock for a lot of people. Um, but I agree about Hamilton and Palm Springs. That was also mine where I, I would like Palm Springs to win. I just don't think it's going to happen. Moving on. 
Best Actress in a Drama, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day, The United States vs. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, the aforementioned Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. Um, Iz, why don't you start us off here? And by start us off, I mean you get to speak for all of us. <laughs> speak for all of us. Yeah, we all chose Viola Davis for this category. Um, I'm actually, this is one of those categories where like all five I watched all the trailers for them and I just felt like they were all really great. And so while I picked Viola Davis thinking she's going to win, I like want to watch all of these now. Um, so that's that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Andre Day is a fantastic singer. I can't wait to watch her in this movie, too. Um, and we were just talking about Nomadland. Like it's definitely on my watch list. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is one that I had meant to watch. It's out on Netflix, I believe, um, starring Chadwick Boseman, who we're going to talk about in a second. Uh and it's one of the ones I had meant to watch, but, you know, life happens. But it's it's certainly next up on the on the to be watched list. I'm looking forward to it. The Billie Holiday movie is also one that is not yet out, which I didn't oh. realize. Um, it said it comes out, I think it's like a couple of days before the Golden Globes are uh, or take place. Um, that makes me feel better because I was like, how have I not watched this yet? Yeah, <laughs> that makes I, more sense. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat as is on this one because watching each of the trailers, I felt like they were all really powerful. Um, I chose Viola Davis because it her seems like the most striking, but it is it's very hard in this one because all of theirs, just from the clips, seemed really powerful. Yeah, I I almost picked Audrey Day because she looks mm-hmm. so fucking good as Billie Holiday and like like Gersh said, she's an amazing singer. Um, Iz and I have both seen her live. She is just mind-blowing live. Um, it, like, saw her on a day where I saw Green Day and I saw, oh, like, 20 other acts that were just incredible acts. And I walked away struck by her. And that's that's just how powerful she is live. Yeah, she commands a stage so well. So I thought that her playing a fantastic singer couldn't be better suited, like a good pairing or yeah. casting at least. Moving on. Best actor, uh, best actor in a drama, Riz Ahmed, The Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Tahar Rahim, The Mauritanian. Uh, Lucy, you get to start with this one. Um, well, both. Uh, Hamcat and I chose Chadwick Boseman. Um, Gersh went with Anthony Hopkins and Iz went with Riz Ahmed. Um, I, this was actually one of those categories similar to, um, the Viola Davis and I guess one of the other ones too, where I would like Chadwick to win, but I don't necessarily know if he will, because I think Riz Ahmed from watching the trailer, even when it first came out, I was so intrigued by the entire concept and he's a great actor. So I think it could be potentially him, but also based off of the father was really intrigued by Anthony Hopkins. So I, it was, it was a toss up, but I did choose Chadwick mostly because this is a, I hope he will win. Sure. Yeah. I went the other way. I, I think honest to God, I think that Anthony Hopkins and Riz deserve it more. I think that their acting was, appeared to be better in both films i think that they're going to take the moment to honor chadwick and i think that he is going to win this award 
That's I mean, sort of where I was thinking is I didn't really see them. I thought it was very likely that Chadwick would get it, not because he isn't a fantastic actor. I'm sure his performance in this was great. I picked mine not thinking that Riz was going to win, but based on, I mean, it's possible, but I didn't think that he would be the pick, but I thought he definitely deserves it just as much as anyone else because in the trailer, just the idea of like someone's career and everything that they love losing the ability to access that type. Like he goes deaf and he was a drummer. And, um, I don't know. I just thought that his performance and like the dimensions to it just from the trailer alone were really impressive. Yeah. I was really intrigued. I think there's some parallels in the lack of the loot, the losing of someone's faculties between him and the father and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, that's going to be really interesting. I definitely want to watch the sound of metal. Uh, again, I, I, I think Anthony Hopkins will win. Uh, I would not be, honestly, I would not be surprised if any of these guys win this category. Uh, like I don't, I won't be surprised if uh, if any of them win. I think it's a very strong category. Uh, okay, next. Best actress in a musical or comedy. We have Maria Bakalova from Borat, Kate Hudson from Music, Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit, Rosamund Pike, I Care A Lot, and Anya Taylor-Joy from Emma. Josh, uh, tell me why Anya Taylor-Joy is going to win. Um... Well, I mean, this one was really hard for me because I think realistically any of the actresses in this category could win this. It watching all of the previews, it was such a tight category. Like I thought all of the films were very similar, not similar, but like in terms of like how well they were done, I thought it was a really close race. And in terms of the actors and actresses, none of them stood out to me as being significantly more gifted than the rest of them. And for me in that situation, you always go with Jane Austen because she's Jane fucking Austen. Like there is nobody wittier Oscar Wilde, but other than Oscar Wilde, there is nobody wittier, clever, like more clever, more tongue in cheek and sarcastic than Jane Austen. And people love that. And it it has always translated really well in film. It is very hard to argue with that. The only thing I would counter that with is so my choice is Maria Bakalova from Borat. Just I this is this is like the kind of thing that happens at the Golden Globes. I feel like this. I will happily be wrong about this. Borat's not the kind of movie and that's going to be nominated for Oscars, but it's nominated for Golden Globes specifically because they have a comedy category. And this is the kind of thing that's this is the kind of this is why the Golden Globes exists to like award these kinds of movies in these kinds of roles. So that's my choice. I wouldn't be surprised uh, the same way we we're just talking about in the best actor category about who wins this. Um, and it's hard to argue against Jane Austen either. Yeah, I went with Rosamund Pike and it honestly was just a very surface, like watched the trailers and thought she was hilarious and was like, I have no context to like guess who anyone like who they're going to pick as the winner. So I'm just going to go with the person I laughed most at in the trailer. Sure. So that was my only reasoning behind it. And it just seemed like a hilarious movie. So I'm looking forward to watching her scam old people. That's all. <laughs> I was very close to choosing her as well. I mostly chose Anya because I also feel like with the queen's gambit this is kind of like a big year yeah. for her and i think it probably shows some versatility in what she can do and i was just leaning towards it because it just felt like this is definitely the year of anya taylor joy or like 2020 was the year of anya taylor joy 
yeah. uh, again, would not be surprised if she ends up winning this either. Uh, OK, this kind of ties into the next category, but it's kind of interesting to see both her and Sasha nominated for two different characters in two different films. Uh, yes. So we haven't talked about that uh, yet. Uh, best supporting actor, but best actor in a most picture comedy. Uh, we have Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat, James Corden, The Prom, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton, Dev Patel, The Personal History of David Copperfield, and Andy Samberg from Palm Springs. Um, I get to start this one, which is great because I picked Sasha Baron Cohen for all the same reasons why I picked Maria Bakalova in the prior category. Um, all three of you chose Lin-Manuel Miranda, which I think is a great choice. Um, I just don't think he's going to win. I stand by my belief that you never vote against Hamilton. So I, I agree with Hamcat on this one. However, I was kind of torn on going, do I want to put who I think is actually going to win? Because I think there might be a chance for Sasha Baron because he won this category with Borat the first time around. Mm -hmm. And I looked that up to double check it because I wasn't sure. I didn't think that it would have won the first time around, but it did. Um, so that's Felix just saying it's very up in the air is kind of like the way to go about it with most of these categories. But I feel like with this one in particular, because it's Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat, I'm like, is it, is it worth it? Like, I don't know. Um, but I, I didn't think that you could really go against Lin-Manuel Miranda. I truly hope that he walks away with a golden globe. If he does, I would rather it be for his other nomination because I thought that he was the crown jewel of that film. Yeah. Um, it's uh, hard to disagree. He was very good in that movie, uh, Trial of Chicago 7. Um, we'll, we'll get to that category soon. We're not there yet. Uh, okay. The next one, however, is Best Supporting Actress. Uh, the supporting actress and actor categories are irrespective of their genre. So it's just best supporting actress and actor across the board. Uh, Glenn Close, Hillbilly, Elegy, Olivia Coleman, The Father, Jodie Foster, The Mauritanian, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Helena Zengel, News of the World. Um, I totally forgot about that movie. That's the Tom Hanks movie. Anyway, um, just all the just another movie thing of 2020 of the things I came out and forgot about is you get to start us off here by talking about um, the ineffable Olivia Coleman. Yes. So three of us picked Olivia Coleman. Hamcat did not. He went with Glenn Close. So, I mean, I absolutely love Olivia Coleman and I know her specifically from The Crown. So I could go on and on about her for literally the length of the two seasons that I watched her on. Um, but I just thought that her performance, even in the trailer on the father was compelling. Like I said, I thought that the father could totally take the category that I didn't pick it for. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that the dimensions of like being a child of someone that is having a hard time with their memory or dementia or whatever it might be. I think it's just such a complex place to be as a child that is now caretaking for their parents. So I thought that her performance was really great. Um, th her, the trailer, it, I mean, it focuses like Anthony Hopkins is in the trailer for 99% of it, but you, you don't, you're never not aware when Olivia Coleman is on screen. Like she just has this presence about her. Uh, and this role seems 
uh, just really intriguing overall and certainly her, her, her part in this film. Um, yeah, Josh, I thought I was okay. sorry. I would say, do you want to make any arguments for Glenn Close other than that? She was in one of the best uh, West Wing episodes ever. The argument I have for Glenn Close is I'm scared of Glenn Close and I don't fair. want her to come kick my ass. That's fair. I was going to say the the only other one that I was I mean, I think that all of these based off of the trailers looked very intriguing. I think Jodie Foster was one that I I, I want it made me want to watch the, the movie more that I saw her in the trailer for it. I don't necessarily know if I would have voted her for this category, but I'm just intrigued by her performance. Yeah. It took Is and I a full minute and 15 seconds before we realized that Jodie Foster was Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. I was trying to pinpoint who it was. I was like, they look so familiar. Who is it? <laughs> it was wild to be like, oh my God, that's really her. I totally thought that her role in that was really interesting. I just felt like the only thing that gave it to Olivia Coleman for me was that Jodie Foster is playing a really strong character who I think probably could be played by other actresses in a strong way because of like the character it is. Um, but it looked really good and I really can't wait to watch that movie too. The next category, Best Supporting Actor in a Movie, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Jared Leto, The Little Things, Bill Murray, On the Rocks, and Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Um, this is, well, Lucy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you tell us why the answer is Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, I just think watching, watching that trailer was really freaking powerful. And also because it was, I mean, I heard about the movie for Judas and the Black Messiah because of the trial of the Chicago Seven. And I, I loved seeing the trailer to see what was actually behind that because I'm not super familiar with a lot of it. And so watching the trailer where they're giving you insight to it and you just see the way that he speaks is just commanding of anyone who is watching him. Like that performance from just the trailer, I cannot wait to watch the movie. Like I can't wait to watch there and just be kind of like in awe of watching him act. This film, it's really interesting this year that we have this movie and the Trial of Chicago 7 came out at the same time because they're they're very much like sister movies, right? This mm-hmm. is what's happening. Fred Hampton and his assassination, assassination, or like <laughs> is the behind the scenes thing that happens in trial of the Chicago seven. And it's a big turning point in that movie too. Um, this was also, I mean, I'm sure we talked about this in October, whenever we did that episode, but this movie was all, was supposed to have come out already like well earlier in 2020 and it got delayed because everything got delayed in 2020. Um, but I remember the, like the promotions for this before that was happening. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Danny Cooley also is like, He's just a very good actor. Uh, obviously, was in Get Out and then in Black Panther. Uh, just really good in both those roles. Uh, I like him in Black Panther a whole lot. Um, falling into the category of things that I didn't know happened because quarantine has taken away all information from us. I was really excited to see that On the Rocks was Sofia Coppola. I didn't know that she... Oh had cranked out a new film and I I'm excited to see it because I love almost everything that she's ever done. Um, I also would really like to live in a world where 
Bill Murray is actually Rashida Jones's father. I think that that could be amazing. I mean, I will remind you, Quincy Jones will kick your ass. Like you just I mean, talked yes. about voting, not wanting to vote against Glenn Close. Be careful who you be careful what you I, wish for. I said a different world. I didn't mean in the present world. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, all right. Moving on. Best director. We have Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman, David Fincher, Mank, Regina King, One Night in Miami, Aaron Sorkin, The Trial of Chicago 7, and Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. Uh, I think, Josh, this is yours to begin. This is hard because the correct answer for everything is Aaron Sorkin always. And I went, we all, well, except for is, we all went against Aaron Sorkin here. Um, We went with Chloe Zhao because, again, I just think that Nomad's, I mean, Nomadland is so powerful. Like that trailer, it hit me right in the chest. And I think that is, I think that is the most important factor in a best director is if the director is able to reach through the screen and move you emotionally, they've done their job. Though is something you said before, something that really struck me about watching this as well, which was like, this is very much a movie of our time, even though this technically takes place like 10 years ago. Uh, after the 2008-2009 recession, it very much felt like a movie of now. And I think that's what's going to be so emotional about watching it. And I think that's what will garner a lot of its um, like a well-deserved award nominations to. Um, just a bit note on Aaron Sorkin here. I don't think he's a particularly like outstanding director. This was, this was a nomination that surprised me. His um, uh, Molly's Game, which I think was the only other movie he directed is a very good movie. I like that movie a whole lot. Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba could read the damn dictionary for all I care. Uh, he's, but he, his, I'm sure he, if he does more of it, he can refine his craft as a director, but it's not like, I don't see him on the same level. Um, but he's welcome to surprise me. And it's not like I'm not going to watch whatever he does next, which actually I, is the I love Lucy thing. Or at least he, you know what? It's not important. That's not the topic for this conversation. Lucy, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. Um, I think that's part of part of what you said is why I didn't choose him for this, but I chose him for screenplay was because watching the trailer like cinematically for Nomadland, it was so much more visually appealing to me. And I just think the way that they had showed or are trying to explain what the storyline is or what it's about, there was just something about it that made me think that I was I would prefer it over Aaron Sorkin as director. I feel like for screenplay, it was a little bit different, but for some reason I like, I was on the fence about if I wanted to give this to him or not. And I ended up not because I just thought the Nomad Land trailer, I don't know. There was something about it that stood out a little bit more to me. Yeah. I feel very similar as you guys. I think that, I think that I feel similarly with Aaron Sorkin as I do, uh, M night where I think that like he's a great writer conceptually. He does really, really good things. I just wish he would hand off those things to other people. Mm. There are people that do other aspects better than, than he does. And so take your brilliant ideas, you know, write them in a brilliant way and then hand them to people who can take your ideas and make them amazing. That's very hard to do. And it's, I feel like it's especially hard for creatives to do. 
like the 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 uh the the desire to just do it yourself i think is really strong um this was a movie trial of chicago seven we talked about this when we talked about it in october that steven spielberg was thinking was originally supposed to direct uh that would have been a very different movie even Sor- even spielberg directing a sorkin script which is like film nirvana uh would have been a very different movie i want to see that movie um to see how that would be done but Isabella, you chose Aaron Sorkin here. I want to give you the floor um, to defend yourself. I did. And I did it in consideration that I knew all of you were voting for the Nomadland <laughs> director. And then the next one, I also thought Sorkin's screenplay was really great for. And it's up against the same person. Yeah. Um, and one, I kind of just wanted to be the malcontent of the group. But That's two, fine. I think there is something to be said about how... Nomadland really focuses on one character and that character's development, right? And we can credit a lot of that to writing, but you can also credit a lot of that to an incredible actress or actor taking a role and running with it. And I think that there's some difficulty in directing something that is as complex as having many, many actors that all have really critical roles and different perspectives. And so I think there's some complexity to the directing of the trial of the Chicago seven, given all of the different characters and personalities and things like that. And it seems that, uh, Nomadland's writing is really strong. Um, but could have been done by a different director. I don't really have a great argument for this, but um, it seems like Nomadland. Really strong argument. That's pretty good. Really. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the one other thing I would add is that I was thinking about directors and like sometimes we kind of confuse which roles in a production mm-hmm. contribute to what things. And I thought that the two compelling things about Nomadland, like the concept was one, but really the acting. And um, the cinematography. And that's not necessarily all the director. It's a cinematographer, too. So I thought that that would have been something that I would have been like, not Sorkin, but definitely Nomadland. But anyway, See, that's, that's my That's a great point, that. which is exactly what I was going to bring up. One, I mean, there are many differences between the Oscars and the Golden Globes, but one of which is cinematography as a category, which is just not here. And that's something yep. that is exa- you you made the point perfectly, which is. When you're taught, when you're thinking about cinematography and direction and acting, you have to think about them as three separate pieces and somebody can act well in a poorly directed scene and a beautiful looking scene can be poorly directed and acted poorly. Yeah. And, and if you add casting director, which I believe is also an Oscars thing, but not a Golden Globes thing is casting is such an important part of a production, but isn't considered because we like usually just look at the actors that were put in those roles. But like even if you looked at the trial of the Chicago seven, that's a lot of casting of different yeah. people to work in a really interesting dynamic that was a real dynamic of people. I don't think anyway. that's an Oscar category. It might be a Screen Actors Guild. It's it's in one of the other award shows. It's- there is at least one award show that does a casting for sure. one. Yep. Um, but I, I didn't know which one it was for sure. Uh, okay. Moving on, um, which is like this, the next category is best screenplay, which we are all kind of took the opposite approach. Uh, the nominees are uh, Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman, Jack Fincher, Mank, Aaron Sorkin, Trial of Chicago 7, Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller, The Father, and Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. Um, I don't remember whose turn it was, so I'm just going to go because I'm the one talking right now. Um, Josh, you, Lucy and I all chose Aaron Sorkin here. Um, Isabella, you you, you chose Chloe uh, Zhao. Um, I think 
I think the script here is is really something. I think to your point about casting is, I think that's where Sorkin makes his money here in this movie to write for all these different people to make Frank Langella such a convincing villain, even though that real the real judge didn't like he gave him a lot to work with there. Um, historical stuff can be difficult sometimes because you don't want to make you don't want to make a joke out of something that was serious and you don't want to you don't want to do the opposite either and make something a bigger deal than it was at the time. Um, I just think there's so much there's so much like intrigue and little and little nuggets in in each of the parts. Um, the scene, my favorite scene in the movie is with, uh, when Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne are at the park and they come across Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character and his daughters. Um, it's just, it's expertly written and expertly acted to the three of their credits. But like, that's for me, for me, Sorkin's my pick here. Um, this is another one where I don't know that I'd be surprised if, if anyone else won. Yeah, I think uh, Promising Young Women is another one where I just I really would like to see it. But I and I didn't think that it would end up winning this category compared to some of the other ones, as all of the reviews that I've heard of it have been really good. And everyone that has seen it has said that it's been amazing. I just don't think it's going to win for this category, which is why I didn't choose it. And I leaned more towards Chloe or Aaron. And I gave it to Aaron on this one. Well, I mean, you both have mentioned um, casting and how important it is to a film. And I think that that's really true. Um, I was reading, and I don't remember where I was reading this, but Spielberg originally approached Will Smith to play Bobby Seal in the film oh. and had planned to meet with Heath Ledger about playing um, Tom Hayden. And oh, wow. for, for me, that it, it's just that's a completely different film. Yeah. Wow. Will, the Will Smith part I could see because he's definitely done dramatic roles. Uh, did we talk about that when we talked about this? Because that was I don't remember we talking no, about that. Um, so. That's really interesting. He, the Heath Ledger part as Eddie Redmayne's character, I don't see as much. But also that's because we just never got enough of Heath Ledger. Sadly. Yeah. Uh, OK, moving on. Best animated film. We have. Uh, the Crudes, A New Age, Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and Wolf Walkers. We are actually split guys against girls in this category. Um, is and Lucy, I would like you to tell me why Soul is the answer. At least for the reason I picked Soul, I think this year, in addition to many of the last few years, it's been really important that the industry finally focuses on voices other than just like white middle-class voices and soul is such a beautiful like well-rounded complex characters focused on the black community and a black man as the lead in soul and i just felt like it was one an important message an important story but also really really well done and while i didn't get to finish soul i did watch the pixar um lucy you might be able to help me out with the name of it but it was basically like behind the scenes of pixar and um it was an interview with like one of the main people behind soul and he is a black man and was talking about how he understood Pixar was pretty white and they wanted it to be a really true depiction of the black community. And there was this one scene that he added that kind of added all the dimension. And it was basically to summarize it as quickly as I can, the main character 
gets to his big break and is going to have a huge performance as a pianist. And the guy they were interviewing realized that it would be a very normal thing for a black man to go to a barbershop before an interview or a performance or whatever this big event would be. And they hadn't even thought of that. And it was that like tipping point in their production of making it a really like deep and complex character. And I just felt like that amount of thought and significance to this story was why it put it over the top for me. But I haven't seen all of the films. I just think it's, I don't know. That was my take. Lucy? I, well, so of this category, the only movie that I saw was Onward. I have not seen Soul. Um, But of all the trailers and of all the things I'd heard about them, I, I understand the concept of Soul and have seen the trailer multiple times. I have seen a lot of clips about it. I've heard a lot of the songs from it. And the way that a lot of people have described it is almost as a newer, more in, not even in depth, but more complex version of what Inside Out was. And Interesting. The, the part of the reason why I also chose it was Inside Out one for this category when it came out. And I mean, I've seen that movie. I understand the full concept of that one. And I think it's a really great movie. So I think this is maybe comparable in some aspects to it. Again, haven't seen the movie, so I can't fully judge. But based off of what I had seen, it would make sense. And I think that is touches on a lot of what is makes that movie so good or makes this movie so good is it really is about trying to give this community a voice because Disney in general has not done that a lot. Like when Princess and the Frog Mm -hmm. came out, it was a big thing that now you have your first black princess and it's, it's totally true. And with this movie, that is what they had been promoting, not necessarily promoting, but a lot of people knew like that was what they were trying to do was they were trying to give the black community a voice. And from what I had seen, I felt like that, is true and i really would like to watch it um i think uh over the moon of the other options seemed like my my second pick onward was great i just didn't think that it would end up winning this category so i would have said it was between these two and again i went to my rotten tomatoes uh thing and tried to see ratings and soul did have the higher rating on that with reviews as well but only slightly they were very close from what i remember The one other thing that I wanted to add based on what you just said was like, even with Disney, I feel like Disney romanticizes things a lot more than Pixar does. Like Pixar is beautiful and can be just so imaginative, but there's something grounded in like true life. And I think that Pixar really prides themselves on that. And so I think the fact that they wanted Soul to be not just like a black person or like a certain black community, but like actually representative of like a Harlem black community in all of the different ways that it could be complex, not just like, you know, romanticizing having one black princess. I think that that speaks volumes to like the direction that they were trying to take with the project in general. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all excellent points. Uh, I just want to point out is the very first point you made is also my argument for over the moon about representation um personally can totally see that i so like this is just this is this is more of my subjectivity and less of lack of objectivity in this category because i have pixar fatigue i'm just kind of over it i said it there i said it uh over the moon just seems like just really cute and heartwarming and the kind of movie i would want to watch um that is to say i have not watched any of these movies but i certainly intend to uh, Josh, I don't know if you felt uh, how I'm curious how you I was surprised anyone else 
um, also chose this movie over one of the Pixar movies. Because, again, like they're just. I that's my choice. Picked, I picked this film for the same reason you did mm. of the five of the five films. This is the one that I think that I would want to watch the most. I do think if I didn't hear anything about soul or knew as much as I did without watching the trailer, if I judged it based off the trailer alone, I may have chosen walk, uh, walk the moon over the moon. Uh, because I think like even just watching it, there's a part where like she's in her little spaceship thing and then like it drops and she goes backwards. The, the way that it's just done is really cool because I thought the trailer was over. And it wasn't. And then it just like blew up into like this beautiful artistic. I don't even know what to call it. It just looked really beautiful by itself. Um, Yeah, I thought it looked really well done. I guess an argument that I had. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I went with the old life rule of never vote against a cute bunny. Oh, that's (laughs) smart. Smart. That's really fair and it reminded me of do you guys remember the pixar short from 2018 bow that was about Mm -hmm. the like mother that was taking care of the little dumpling that was like her kid i mean in that way like i think that it's a very similar story and pixar is clearly doing it well too but i i could totally see the argument because that was so amazing that this would be so amazing too i also just haven't seen it fair i don't remember what film i was watching in the theaters but i saw bow before it and came away from it thinking that Bao was better than the film I had paid for. <laughs> I think that was I think that was something that a lot of people were saying. All right, that's perfectly fair. Um, all right, moving on. This is we're almost done with the film category here. Um, and we'll we should probably split this into two episodes now that we're like 45 plus minutes into this. Uh, OK, best foreign language film. I have a lot of opinions. I know you're all shocked. Uh, another round from Denmark, La Lorna from France and Guatemala, Life Ahead from Italy, Minari from these United States, and two of us from the U.S. slash France. Before we move forward, I have a question. Yes. I couldn't find this while watching the trailers. Can you explain to me how the United States film is nominated for best? Is it is it just because there's foreign language used in it? The it's, answer is best. Yeah. Foreign film, it's best foreign language. Yeah, film, right? I can explain it. Racism is the answer. Like, okay, cool. it's just absurdly beyond racist that Minari is not nominated for any other category and that it's like put in this category because there happened to there like there are native Korean speakers in this movie that speak Korean about this Korean American family in America. It's racism. That's the answer. I was very confused. It was the first question I asked is I was like, how is this even nominated here? I Um, didn't have a good answer for that. I was also a little dumbfounded and didn't know. uh, Now, Lucy, you chose the life ahead here, which, again, I love Sophia Loren. Hard to argue against her. My pick here is more on principle, but I will let you if you have any strong feelings about um, Miss Loren, I will allow you the floor. I mean, I truly just went based off of the trailer itself. Um, and I there was a couple of sentences in particular that the uh, the child in the film had said about how she's not a comma. And there was just like the way that out of watching all of these trailers, because I'd never heard of any of these. Well, that's not true. I'd heard of La Lorena because there's other versions of it. Um, 
I knew nothing of any of these and just watching the trailer alone, I felt like it was the more powerful one and it felt like something that might end up winning the category. Mm. That was really why I went I for it. Almost, I almost picked the life ahead. I thought Same. it looked incredible. I was disappointed, like Gersh was saying, that Minari was in this category because I think had it not been, The Life Ahead would have been my pick 100%. Um, Me too. So I'm with you, Lucy, on that. And I felt like the main character, the little boy, he just like just in the trailer alone, like had my heart and I wanted to see the whole story. And I just wanted yeah. to know all the complexities behind him and the main character, like woman, too. So I think I, totally I think understand. part of it, I also think part of it may be because of like, because I am Italian, I don't watch a lot of movies that are Italian, but like my parents do. And I've seen bits and pieces of different Italian movies and I cannot judge to say anything about all of them, but of ones that I had seen, this just felt like it was on a different level. Like it felt a lot more I, powerful is a word that I've used a lot, but it felt more powerful than a lot of the other ones that I had seen. And I just felt like it was really, it looked really good all around. Yeah. that's. All. I will say that my takeaway from this category in general is I thought that both the life ahead and Minari, I thought both of them were on a next level compared to all of the other films nominated in every other Mm -hmm. category. Like they both could hold their own against everything that's up. We saw that with um, Roma a couple of years. Was it last year, year before last, which Mm -hmm. was a film that was in a Spanish language film that was, that was, that was, properly nominated in the major categories, which they're traditionally not. Um, And so I I think you're right about that. I'll be very interested to see what happens at the Oscars, both for Minari overall and with this category. Um, If The Life Ahead maybe gets a nomination there um, where it didn't here. Also, I love Mads Mikkelsen. I will watch him being drunk on screen any day of the week. I I want to watch that movie too, uh, another round. Okay. Moving on, we have two movie categories left. Best score. Uh, Alexander Desplat for The Midnight Sky, Ludwig Göransson for Tenet, James Newton Howard, News of the World, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor for Mank, and Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, and John Batiste for Soul. Who wants to go first? Nobody? I mean, I'll go first. <laughs> I was really torn because yeah. I wanted to take both Mank and Soul because I will literally get behind anything that Trent Reznor puts his name on. Not just because I grew up a Nine Inch Nails fan, but because I think that he's done such an amazing job of transitioning himself into a person who creates sound and scores for film. And he does it in such a complex and beautiful way that it reminds me a lot of what John Carpenter had done um, early on, where I think that he not only creates sound and creates scores, but I think that he stands in a room, puts his arms out and pushes the walls outward for what we're doing in, in film. This I was, think, sorry, go ahead, Liz. Uh, I think so for this one, I felt like this was one of the most difficult to choose because when it comes to a score, it really is about watching the entire thing and seeing how the music makes you feel throughout it. So 
I felt like this was really difficult. I love movie scores. I collect soundtracks and scores on vinyl. Um, and this was really difficult for me to pick because I thought that all of them seemed really interesting. Um, but there was something about Tenet, the way that it played in full. Also, this is the first time I watched a trailer for this one. Um, and it also very interesting. I didn't know that um, uh, Robert Pattinson had put out another movie. Was it another oh, movie? Oh, yeah. That was interesting. Um, but th- there was something about the way that the score was in just the trailer that felt it it left me with some sort of impression a lot more than the other ones did, which is why I chose it. I have no other reason than that, because I think this one really is about watching the full movie versus the trailer and judging anything else. Cause the trailer literally just gives you tiny snippets. And for all, you know, some of the sound is probably not even a big factor in the movie itself. So it was difficult for me. This is a really interesting, this is a really difficult category too, um, because four four of the seven nominees are all Oscar winner, Oscar winning composers. Um, Alexander Desplat, uh, two times over Ludwig Goranson, one time uh, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor for the social network. Um, my pick was for Tenet for Ludwig Goranson because one, the Mandalorian and two Black Panther. Like I, Lucy and I will share this shared experience because we just got finished watching season two of the Mandalorian the score is even better in the second season than it is in the first season. And like, I didn't realize he, he had anything to do with, I didn't know who did it. He did. Well, there you go. That makes sense. News for you. But the black Panther score is just out of this world. Fantastic. And Tenet is the one movie that I wanted to see in theaters this year that I would have paid for. Um, and that was the one that was the biggest like bummer that it kept getting delayed and what have you. And I'm sure I can find it somewhere. Uh, and I'm going to, cause I want to watch it. But that's that's my that was my pick there. But as a uh, as a 90s goth punk kid, it is validation to see the like professional accolades for Trent Reznor in the 20 in the in the in the 21st century, for sure. It's been cool to watch him do what we all do as an adult, where we start our life and we're angsty and we're little punk kids and then we go get our adult job. And (laughs) I feel like this is Trent Reznor's adult job. Yeah, he's pretty good at it, too. Can I ask, Hamcat, can I ask why you chose Mank over Soul? Because... From what I've seen about that film, I think that Trent Reznor is going to have the ability to be more creative in it. I think that with it being based in the time period that it's in and being connected to like Oscar Wells, an old film, I think that he will have the ability to do things based on a timepiece. And frankly, I also think that with a movie like Soul, people who are, you know, historically connected to a sound that should be represented in that film should be the ones making the, the music. Well, that's John Batiste. So like there is a third composer listed there. Also, you yeah. meant, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I know you meant Orson Welles. Let any film buffs come after us. What did I say? You said Oscar Wells. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I meant. You're right. All right. Last film category, best song. Uh, Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah, Hear My Voice, Trial of Chicago 7, Scene from Life Ahead, Speak Now, One Night in Miami, and uh, Tigress and Tweed from the United States versus Billie Holiday. 
Um, I'm just going to start and say speak now because Leslie Odom Jr. and I will not be taking any more questions at this time. <laughs> That's fine because I have a similar approach and I said fight for you because her and I will not be taking any questions okay. at this time. Okay. Ladies? Well, Iz and I both chose hear my voice. Um, so apparently we will also not be taking any questions this time <laughs> because we are going to stick with our answers. I love yeah, it. I mean, I'm not shifting my answer, but I just know that I actually watched the trial of the Chicago <laughs> 7 and liked the music in it in general. And so I was like, you know what? And at this point, again, I was through half of all these nominations. So my brain power it was probably a little bit reduced, too. So I was like, what the fuck? I saw this one. So that's yeah. sort of where I went with that. I, I went based off of... Uh, I mean, that is the only movie that I saw from this category. But I went back to find each of the songs and was once again trying to find which one was the most striking or the most powerful. And I wanted to vote for, um, uh, what is it? Tigress and Tweed, but it didn't, it didn't strike me as much as, um, I wanted it to. Uh, and I kind of felt that way with some of the other ones. It just, they, they didn't hit the mark for me as much as hear my voice did, especially in the context of that movie. Haven't seen it. Fair. Okay. That rounds up our 14 movie picks for the Golden Globes. Um, that was a super fun discussion. We um, are going to take the next three weeks to watch some of these movies. And then when we do, we'll have to figure out because the Golden Globes are always on a Sunday. Award shows are always on Sundays for some reason. And so we'll have to figure out when we're going to record our reactions. Um, we could just do it the fall. Well, you know, we'll figure it out. I'm really not that worried about it. It's three weeks from now. I'm not even thinking about tomorrow yet. Uh, okay, that's going to end it for this episode. Go to the movies, everybody. Or no, I take it back. Don't go to the movies. Stay home. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Stay six feet apart. <laughs> on your couch. Which hot take are you sticking with on that? The everything. You were like, go, stay. I Everything go, I said except for go to the movies. I retract that. Don't go to the right. movies. I think Watch the movies at home. In this episode... Which should I stay or should I go by the clash? Okay. Um, right now, what you're hearing is the very beginnings of Cautious by Amorosa, but just imagine the clash in your head. Goodbye. That's fair. All right, we'll do it that way. <laughs> if you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at JoshCastPod, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Isabella Stade and Lucy Benetti. The podcast intro music is Gemini by Alki, and the outro music is Cautious by Amorosa. Both appear on the Untitled Joshcast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled Joshcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Ooh, I got to be cautious.